Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 59 of Hack to Start. This episode features Travis Truitt, the co-founder and CEO of Ambition, a more effective way to manage employee ramp, productivity, and retention. Tyler and I want to invite Travis onto the show to share his awesome story and insights as an entrepreneur. Travis has incredible drive and determination using his own money to fund his very first product. He and his co-founder then decided to launch Ambition as a tool to help sales reps do more. They were accepted into YC last year and are continuing to grow quickly. This is going to be an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey Travis, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, how's it going, Tower? Thanks for having me. So let's start off by getting to know a bit more about you. Where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for entrepreneurship develop? Yeah, great. Uh, great questions. Um, <laughs> quite frankly, things I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, born and raised, and ended up going to the University of Tennessee. So basically went to, went to college in my hometown. Uh, started studying aerospace engineering. And I kind of quickly fell out of love with the profession. Um, I really, you know, consider myself a pretty scientific person, um, and I love engineering in general. But I can remember having a guest speaker come in and talk to us about how he just spent like four years, you know, designing like this bolt that was going to be on an airplane wing. And I kind of just, you know, said, you know what, I've got to, I've got to have more, more than that. That's just. Uh, you know, I, I'm probably too much of a people person. I would drive the people around me crazy. Um, so anyway, I switched from aerospace engineering to enterprise management, which was a, for, uh, a brand new major at the University of Tennessee. And you know, kind of the goal of that being to be multidisciplined in a lot of different things that you could use to one day run a company. And then, kind of a, a pretty seminal moment in college was uh, the inaugural business plan competition, and that's where I actually. Um, you know, pitched an idea alongside my current co-founders today. We ended up winning second place. They told us, you know, to be honest, we don't really, we can't really get behind your idea, but we really, really like you guys as a team. And we believe that if you guys stick together, then you're going to make something work. And we kind of looked at each other and said, you know what, let's, yeah, let's figure something out. And that's kind of the seed that led me to where I am today. That's an amazing story. So how did the founding team come together? Yeah. Uh, so Jared and I, uh, actually went to high school together. So we've mm-hmm. now known each other for, gosh, probably going on 14 years. That's uh, amazing. Br- Brian and I met um, actually pledging a fraternity my freshman year of college. And then I kind of introduced him and Jared together. And then our, our fourth co-founder, Wes Kendall, we actually met him a little bit later. He was at UT um, with us, and we never knew him. And then once we'd graduated, we actually got connected through a friend of a friend and you know we've we've been working ever since. And you know people a lot of times people ask me, you know, like Travis, you went you went into business with your friends. You know what like 
what is your thoughts around that? You kind of have two conflicting theories between going to business with your friends or never going to business with your friends. And I kind of always tell people it's worked out really well for us. I think that because we have been friends for so long, because we have a lot of trust built up, um, it gives us a huge competitive advantage. But you know, if you've only been friends with somebody for maybe a couple years, if you're more, uh, you know, acquaintances, then to me that's almost riskier. So either you know go in with like really strong friendships, or you know find like a business partner that kind of complements you that you don't necessarily have a lot of like baggage there. And uh, I don't know. So that's just a brief aside on something I've kind of realized and I've been asked about over the years. What was your first job out of school, and what led you to launching your own company? Yeah, so when I graduated, I took uh, what I commonly refer to as a two-year sabbatical. Um, <laughs> I actually, you know, when I was in college, I worked, um, I basically ran an office for a local surgeon and kind of did like anything and everything. I had a, um, a very cool um, logistics internship with a massive international company where I was like doing anything and everything like and then when I graduated um, I actually said okay I want to really do something fun uh, realizing that you know time sneaks up on you and sometimes you wake up later on in life and you're like man you know I didn't really take advantage so anyway I ended up after school uh, did two years of basically being a rock climbing instructor slash bum in Austria um, in a tiny town called Zelmsee, and then uh, so I was doing that in the summer and fall, and then in the winter I was a ski bum slash you know ski instructor at um, uh, Park City, Utah, and then South Lake Tahoe, California. So I basically was just dirt bagging it for two years, and then finally said, okay, this has been amazing, but it's time for me to you know get more serious about something. And I kind of have always known that I am not great at. Uh, dealing with authority, especially kind of when I'm marginalized. And I said, you know what, I might as well just try and start my own company and, and see if I can get something off the ground. And, you know, along came ambition. Oh, yeah, that's an awesome story. How did you end up reconnecting with, with your buddies back home and, and now co-founders to, to launch that? Yeah, so, you know, we'd always been in touch. Uh, and at one point, Jared and I were actually living with each other uh, in California together. Um, and, you know, we, we'd always been in touch. We'd always talked. We'd always met up with each other you know, when we were kind of passing through each other's cities. And we finally hit this point where we said, okay, let's, uh, let's do it. Like, you know, Brian was actually working at um, HP uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, and, you know, he had, you know, he'd learned a lot, a lot of great experience. But he was kind of saying, you know what, like, I, I don't want to be doing this forever. Um, and, you know, again, that was the time. And Jared and I were kind of bumming. I mean, you know, we hadn't really met Wes Kendall at this point. Uh, and we kind of just said, let's do it. And us three being business guys, uh, we actually, I mean, we had no idea what to do and we said, okay, well outsourcing, we've literally heard the term outsourcing before. And we feel like, you know, there's this golden bullet where you can just, you know, pay basically a very small amount of money to, you know, offshore firms and they're going to build you whatever you want and you're going to just be fine and everything's going to work out. And we were, were, you know, again, we were we were communicating across the country at this point. Jared and I being in California, Brian being in Arkansas, who was just in the process of moving to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where we are now. And we said, okay, let's outsource this idea. Um, and we ended up pulling together some funds. Uh, myself, kind of being the 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 poorest of the group, you know, after two years of travel, um, I literally ended up like surrendering my life insurance policy. I sold my class ring. 
I like, you know, just emptied my bank account, my checking account, my saving account. And we, we pulled together about $15,000 and we outsourced it to a firm in India. And I was doing these like 13 and a half hour time difference conference calls. And as you could probably imagine, it was a complete disaster. We didn't know what we were doing. We had no like way to even, like we didn't know how to spec the project. We didn't know what to tell them. So anyway, it was kind of at that moment that um, Jared and I were broke, pissed, disgruntled, living in California, and Brian had just moved to Chattanooga. And we said, you know what? Like We've already gone this far. We've crossed the imaginary line. Let's just move to Chattanooga with Brian. Let's just talk to some investors there, and let's let's just keep going all in, You know whether, whether or not this is ever going to work. Um, we literally moved to Chattanooga. Um, at this point, I taught myself, or I started teaching myself how to program. Um, we met some investors, and we ended up raising a little bit of money, and things very, very, very slowly started picking up. And that was four and a half years ago. That's a crazy story. I love the all-in attitude. It's just uh, insane how, how, how you guys managed to launch that. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, I always tell people, like, in my head, I have this vision of this, this, you know, this imaginary line. And it's so easy to walk up to it and look over the edge. Um, and quite frankly, it's very easy to cross over it. Um, but, you know, we have all these mental blocks. And we, we had hit this moment where very, very naively, we, we just stepped over to the other side. We put our money where our mouth was. We, we, we tried to um, build a project or build a product. And it was so gratifying and it, and it was just like this it was this amazing feeling and we just didn't want to give it up so we just said <laughs> you know let's just keep going and and luckily it worked out uh, you know we've had a lot of ups and downs um, a lot of failures along the way but it's definitely you know it's those experiences that made us who we are and uh, you know I tell entrepreneurs every single day if if the bar has gotten so much lower in terms of how relatively easy it is to learn a program and build products and you know, distributed across social networks that you kind of have to have that mentality now. Like very, very few people are writing checks to, you know, people with ideas. Um, so you just got to cross that line and hope for the best. And regardless of what happens, you're going to learn a lot. And even if you go back into the corporate world, you're probably going to bring some incredible skills with you. Yeah, for sure. So we haven't, we haven't really quite defined what, what ambition is right now. So, so for those who might not know, what is ambition? And you know, once you guys relocated and we're all together, what was the rest of the story with the outsourcing to India? How did you guys launch the first product that ended up you know, uh, enabling you guys to raise a little bit of money? Yeah, absolutely. So ambition uh, is actually uh, it's basically performance management. We have um, made work uh, more fun, more engaging for salespeople. Um, more, it allows them to kind of be more accountable um, uh, for toward their goals, uh, be more recognized for their achievements. Uh, the start of it was literally we adapted fantasy football um, to the sales environment where employees could form teams, they could compete week to week across seasons, and it was more sustainable, more engaging um, gamification uh, for sales teams You know that went farther than just a, a whiteboard, a leaderboard, whereas the same person that wins every single time. Since then, we've kind of you know transcended gamification, and now we're this full... You know, suite of tools that helps managers better coach employees, um, helps employees better understand, uh, you know, how they can be more effective salespeople. Um, it helps HR um, kind of track people as they're moving through the system and how hard they're working and how smart they're working, and you know, being able to tailor things to their personality type. So, anyway, it's kind of just become this really amazing platform that we kind of jokingly tell people, you know, it, it makes work suck less, and we also help um, 
individuals and teams and managers make a lot more money. Um, so that's the ambition. Uh, and then as far as the story goes with um, getting to where we are now, we ended up, this, when, we, when we moved to Chattanooga, we were actually working on a different, um, a different product kind of with the same fundamental core. We've always been big believers in transparency and in information and, and in a lot of ways like how can we use gamification to, to drive human behavior. Because uh, gamification is a relatively new word. Quite frankly, the word has a lot of baggage, but it is, it's very, very powerful in principle. And you know, whether it's credit card points or you know, like a variety of things you know, that we, you know, from video games, everything else in the middle, it's, it's, um, it's kind of everywhere around us. So anyway, we started with this kind of this news aggregator, and it was called Reticker that was then kind of rebranded to Fireplug. And the goal was that you actually got credit for what you read. So as you're reading articles on our platform, you're, we're actually kind of doing this really cool analysis of what you're reading, and we're keeping track of um, we're keeping track of like what you're reading, what you're progressing in. So maybe you're reading you're reading a lot about this topic, and you know maybe you're you're leveling up in this topic, and then you know other people that are in that same topic can share recommend articles to you. And it's just basically you know we told people every day you know. Uh, what's the last thing you've read? What's the last thing you've learned? And it's very hard for people to answer that question. And we just tried to make that a little bit more explicit. Um, so anyway, we ended up going to these investors and we told them, hey, we know this is crazy, like, like, but we're these guys and we outsourced this product and it failed. Um, none of us can code, but we have this really cool idea and we really think this idea is going to be something. And they, it's kind of funny because they honestly were quite frankly pretty impressed that we had even like, you know, put our money into outsourcing it and trying it. That even though it was a big failure, they said, okay, in a lot of ways you've already, you know, taken a big step that a lot of people we talk to, basically the vast majority of people we talk to don't do. And they said, okay, here's the deal. If you can go out and find an engineer to join you, then we will, um, we will give you enough rope to hang yourselves with. We will give you $50,000, and basically with that $50,000, you have to ship a product, like ship a production-ready product and, and, and start getting users. And we ended up, uh, I mean, coming through all of our networks. We ended up finding an engineer. This engineer is the person that led us to Wes Kendall, who is now our current CTO. And we got this engineer. They gave us the $50,000. We ended up shipping a product in August, so a couple months later. And we built it up to about 25,000 users. Uh, we were the number one um, uh, news app in the Mac App Store, um, which was very, very cool. But we kind of realized that when you only have 25,000 users and you're the number one news app, it was kind of a problem. We kind of significantly overestimated how big the, the Mac like desktop app store was going to be. And as we were kind of working on that project and you know working on mobile and trying a bunch of different things, we had this idea slash side project for ambition, kind of the fantasy football element. And we built it and we launched it and uh, to a pilot customer. Um, honestly, as a joke, uh, within six weeks, we were able to increase outbound phone calls from 16,000 a day to 21,000 a day. Uh, we were able to increase um, revenue per rep by $500. Um, and at one point, the server actually went down and we got like 60 support tickets basically saying, hey, like what happened? Like we like we're logging into this 10 times a day and it was a big aha moment and we kind of just started shifting all of our resources and effort to ambition.
Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So you guys actually ended up becoming part of the uh, Y Combinator 2014, uh, the winner cohort. So what was that admission process like for you guys? And what were some of the biggest uh, impacts of going through YC? Yeah, absolutely. So that is a funny story. My co-founder, Brian, ended up applying to Y Combinator and not telling anybody. Uh, so I, to this day, have no idea what was on the application. Uh, but he, I remember... We had applied before, like four years ago, like, um, and so like we kind of knew the process. You know, you apply and you don't get in, and you get this email saying, "Hey, thanks, but no thanks." Anyway, Brian applied, didn't tell us, and I remember at like 11 p.m. They always send out their rejection letters and acceptance letters like late at night, and at like 11 p.m. one night, I'm in bed and I get this email, and I just see it's from my combinator, and it says like, you know, thank you, ambition for applying. And I kind of put two and two together, and I figured, okay, Brian must have applied, and we didn't. Get, I'm sure we didn't get in, and uh, I went to bed. And I literally deleted the email and went to bed. Like, <laughs> and I, the next morning, I walk into the office, and Brian has this huge grin on his face, and I'm just kind of thinking, like, what, like, what, what's going on? He's like, well, what do you mean? Did you not read your email? We got an interview, uh, and so we ended up flying out to Mountain View. Uh, we interviewed. We. Uh, Thought it thought it was terrible. Like we thought our, our we like one hundred percent thought that we did not get in, uh, and we were back up in the city going to dinner to kind of celebrate at least getting an interview. I got a call from Gary Tan, one of the partners, so that we got accepted. Um, and then for the next about four months, we split time between Chattanooga, Tennessee, where the team was, and and Mountain View. And we were basically I was on a plane almost every week. Um, and the product or the process was amazing. I mean, these partners, like they, they really know, like they didn't know what to do. Like they know like, Hey, if you want to build a company, if you want to get funding, if you want to get users, um, if you want to get press, like here's the playbook that we perfected over 10 years. And so we just learned so much. So many doors were opened. So they were able to progress so many things that would have taken us longer to figure out or to pull the trigger on, uh, you know, random, walks with PG is always uh, an enlightening experience. Um, and so anyway, we at the end of it, we were able to raise um, some amazing money from, uh, you know, kind of spread out from San Francisco to New York, you know, SV Angel, Redpoint, Google Ventures, Highline VC in New York, Promise Ventures in Chicago. Um, and then we made the decision to move back home uh, to Chattanooga, which was not very popular, but we honestly don't regret it at all and you know that was kind of the experience and uh it's, it's just amazing like i was i was literally back at alumni demo day yesterday in san francisco i, I just landed back from that as a 24-hour trip and just to go there and see the network and catch up with old friends and see everything that's going on um it's i mean it's one of the best decisions we've ever made like i, I i'm so privileged to kind of be a part of that network and community and give back so yeah i don't know that's the the Y Combinator in a nutshell. That's awesome. Man. It sounds like a crazy, crazy experience. And, uh, you know, it's awesome to see how, how far you guys have come after it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. It, you know, why, there's so many incredible companies that are part of Y Combinator that you all, like, I don't know, I feel like I always have imposter syndrome in terms of just being like, golly, like, you know, this company, you know, they're, they're growing 80% week to week. This company just raised this round. This, like, this founder... You know, ha like split the atom. Like you, like you're you're surrounded by so many unbelievable people that I, you know, I sometimes I'm just like, you know, I am a state school kid 
from Tennessee that doesn't have an engineering degree from MIT. I didn't work at Google for 10 years. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's about hustle. And uh, I, I joke with everybody I know that, uh, you know, they might be a lot smarter than me, but I will sure as hell outwork them. <laughs> That's awesome. So you mentioned it uh, earlier a little bit with the whole gamification, but how, can you tell us a little bit more about how you guys actually think differently about the product and sort of, you know, the sales productivity market compared to uh, other software apps that, that might exist out there? Yeah, absolutely. Really good question. Um, to be honest, I would say that our our relative lack of experience um, in sales and sales management has allowed us to think different. Um, it's allowed us to be focused more on the rep level than necessarily the manager level. Uh, you know, I feel like there's a lot of tools out there that are they try and even if they masquerade themselves as very pro employee in a lot of ways they're big brother for managers and they're basically it's just you know it's the managers that are saying this is what I want I want to be able to track my people I want to be able to you know fire my people and for us we were literally just like how can we make this really fun for the reps really engaging for the reps like that you know they can come into work and truly feel like they are bigger than bigger than you know something bigger than their job is bigger than picking up the phone 80 times a day they can be part of a team and you know we always we we like to say that the majority of like the, the way that we think, the philosophy behind ambition is that we spend, especially as Americans, we spend the majority of our waking lives every year at work. And most, you know, most people their their emotions range from apathy to misery. And if ambition can just incrementally move the needle um, and, and 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 inspire people more and drive a more engaging, productive culture, then we're doing our part. And, you know, a lot of people don't really talk about inspiration. A lot of people don't really think about culture. But this is something that we've always been a big believer in. And um, so that's, that's just the way we think. You know, we, we really like this team-based notion, this fancy football notion of gamification because it's less about, you know, the one all-star that wins every time. It's more about, like, how can you come together as a team? You know, maybe some stronger, more veteran salespeople and some newer, more inexperienced salespeople and working together. Um, we've actually built our system to where you can actually um, kind of benchmark people as apples and oranges, and you can actually have different people in different siloed departments with different quotas um, compete with and against each other, and that's been really, really cool. Uh, and then, honestly, we've another thing is we've always put a huge precedent on design. Like, we literally want people to think that Ambition or Google created this sales productivity platform and you know when you contrast it against so much, so many other you know enterprise B two B systems, I think that ours is genu genuinely something that people want to live in more, and I think that that's a huge difference. You know the attention to the details that usually get glossed over when you're talking about you know B two B. So I think that's been a a big driver in our success. Yeah, absolutely. Good points. So Ambition has raised funding from YC, Google Ventures, Redpoint Ventures, and among others. So what was this process like for you? And are there any tips for others who are looking to fundraise right now? When I raised the first dollar I'd ever raised in my life from the Lamppost Group here in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it was, I mean, it was all about proving that, um, you know, I, I guess advice I'd give to people is it really is about proving that you are like you're more than talk. Like there's so many people out there that, um, you know, I've heard this this term before, entrepreneurs. Like, God, <laughs> I I, I want to start a company. I want to build this. I want to learn to program. I want to hire people and travel and all this stuff. And 
And you like one of the biggest things you can do to put yourself leaps and bounds everybody else is just to do it. And so I would just tell people like from 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 day one, like really the bar is it's funny because the bar to building things is getting really low, but the bar to getting investment dollars is getting really, really high. Um, you know, back in the beginning of Y Combinator, all the companies that got in were basically just ideas on a patent paper. Now in order to get into Y Combinator, you practically have to have a million dollars of revenue um, and you know a COO that you know has already sold a company before. So I would just say like you know focus on actionables, focus on building something, getting your first users, proving out that you can go the distance. Um, so that was big for me at, at, at getting my first check. Um, you know by basically the failed outsourcing project with Y Combinator. Um, it was about persistence. It was about um, in a lot of ways, being a salesperson and treating investors as customers. Sometimes, especially, you know, Y Combinator unlocked a lot of doors for us, opened a lot of doors for us. It 100% made the process easier. But with that said, you know, it is easy to kind of take that, that badge of honor, for lack of a better term, um, and kind of be arrogant about it and kind of think that, you know, people are going to be throwing checks at you. And we, uh, you know, we were doing well for ourselves, but we truly like followed up with investors, we cared about investors, we, we took multiple meetings, we grabbed coffee or beer or lunch, we, in a lot of ways, we, we kind of did things that we were told not to do um, in terms of just like spending time with them and, you know, not kind of saying, you know, if we can't get this done in like a day or, you know, with a general partner, then let's move on. So I think that was strong for us. I think that another thing was you kind of get in this notion of like playing it cool. Uh, you have this, uh, this saying, that I picked up in Silicon Valley that is, when you want money, ask for advice, and when you want advice, ask for money. And while that's partially true, we also learned that, and again, this kind of just comes down to good sales, is that like, you know, don't beat around the bush. If you want to work with somebody, tell them. And we found that we were very successful being able to sit down with an investor, talk to them about what we were doing, talk to them about why we were passionate about what we were doing and what the future was, and then just saying, look, we don't want to waste your time. Uh, we want to work with you. Here's why we want to work with you. And if you're interested in us, then let's talk about what a deal would look like and kind of putting it out on the table and treating it as a, as a business transaction, a mutually agreed upon business transaction. And that, that worked well for us. Um, so I don't know, that, that's probably some advice I would give. And then, you know, now in a lot of ways, kind of pre ambition, raising money, you have Kickstarter and you have angel list, you have all these amazing syndicates now. And I would definitely try, try some of those out because, now you have these scenarios where you're able to raise money, get traction, and without giving up anything in your company. So that's, uh, I guess, the best of both worlds if you can make it happen. Yeah, those are all some amazing tips. So, what's your role like day to day as a CEO at Ambition? Yeah, so I was, I was actually having this conversation with uh, my CTO last night. Uh, I feel like my role day to day has become more of a facilitator. Uh, you know, we have, I think 21 employees now, which isn't a lot, but it's not a little. And I spend most of my time making sure that everybody around me, whether that is current employees or, or potential employees that we're recruiting or investors or customers, they are all happy. They're all fulfilled. They're all getting the answers they need. They are all fired up about whatever it is that they are tied to ambition. Um, I still love engineering and programming. Um, I try and do that you know, at night um, or on the weekends. I still do a little bit of sales. Um, I 
you know, I'm on the road, um, you know, doing some recruiting and kind of doing some, some of the bigger pitches. But to be honest, I'm, I'm just in the office on Slack, figuring out how I can help. And I kind of see my, my job kind of, you know, continuing from there. So, which I love, I mean, I, I love helping people and, and, uh, it's worked out well. So, you know, who knows? That's awesome. So what's next for ambition in 2015? Yeah. So we've got, we're launching, um, some really, really big functionality right now. Uh, basically, a lot of the things we've always wanted are finally kind of getting rolled out, like literally last week, this week, next week. Um, it kind of makes our system really robust in terms of being able to track cause and effect, being able to actually measure um, as an employee your productivity and kind of see things like, you know, here is, um, as I was mentioning a little bit earlier, like, Here's how hard I'm working. Here's how smart I'm working. Here's how I can actually improve personally. Here's how I can make more money in this company. Here's like here's you know I'm picking up the phone. Here's what that's actually doing for my my bottom line revenue and commission. Um, so we're really excited about that. We have um, you know Salesforce puts on their Dreamforce conference every year. So we have that coming up in September. So we're gearing up for that. We have a really cool marketing campaign. We're excited about kind of launching then. We are working with some really, really big companies. Our first Fortune 100 company is piloting with us, which is really exciting. So we're, you know, we're, um, to be honest, I think that we've kind of hit this inflection point. We're starting to grow our sales team. We're really starting to grow our pipeline. And there's a, a pretty good chance that I think we quadruple revenue in the next two quarters, which is going to be huge for us. I think we have profitability in our sites and we're going to continue to make really big hires and we're going to, I don't know, just try and maybe get some sleep in between. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing everything that Ambition releases this year. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I, I am as well. <laughs> so what are some of your most recent apps that you've downloaded? Good question. Um, most recent apps. Let's see here. So I'm a big Evernote fan. I've always tried to like really get hooked on Evernote and and over the last like several years I've gone on and off and I finally for whatever reason this summer it's clicked and I yeah. use it for everything and it's like truly helped just me organizing my life and having my different notebooks. So I'm a huge Evernote fan. So what made um, you click? Like I, I feel like myself, I I keep opening Evernote and I just nothing happens. I think um I don't know. It's a good that's a good question. Maybe I just got to the point where I, I hit this breaking point of being disorganized and having things in Dropbox, having things in Google Docs, having things like, you know, on a little notepad, like emailing myself things that I finally was like, okay, like I have to stay organized. And um, and I don't know, I think maybe I just hit like a breaking point. And so, yeah, so I use Evernote like all the time now and I, I love it. Um, Spotify is not new, but I I mean, I could not imagine my living without Spotify. I'm a, I'm a big music guy, so on that vein... We actually have an, had an engineer that just joined us that um, uh, introduced me to an app and a website called We Funk Radio that is just like this Whoa. amazing music that I listen to. Um, basically, it's like now like my background music at work. It's like jazz and soul and a little bit of hip hop and some classic rock and some funk and like it's just awesome. So I've I've uh, really really been digging that. Um, let me think. Going through my phone. Um, uh, you know, you know what I've actually been recently using a ton is this is kind of an old school app from like kind of right when iPads and iPhones were launching, but Google Sky Map, where you can literally 
hold your phone up to the night sky and it'll identify planets and stars and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been using that a lot. I don't know what brought that on. And then, you know, my, my tried and true are, you know, Hacker News app, um, the Chive I love, Quora, uh, LinkedIn. I feel like I live on LinkedIn. I don't know, a couple, uh, Venmo. I feel like I use Venmo for everything now. Um, I can't imagine like a world without Venmo. Um, it's crazy that I used to like PayPal people or even like take money out of an ATM. So that's mm-hmm. kind of been a new addition. Wow, those are all some amazing apps. So has there been any books that you've read lately that you would share with others? Oh man, another really good question. Um, I am really, really big into military nonfiction and political biographies. Um, so I trying to think of like any like really, really good ones I've read recently. I'm actually kind of like pulling up my my Kindle right now. To be honest, Jared, my partner, is kind of the the bigger book reader in terms of like actual business books um, and like books that are more probably relevant to ambition and entrepreneurship. Um, with that said, on a different different vein, um, there's a TED talk that I all it's kind of this tradition at an ambition that on your very first day here, you basically spend the entire day training with me. And there's this TED talk that you um, you more or less are required to listen to right before lunch. And it is Simon Sinek's um, uh, Golden Circle, um, or why it's called, you can either, basically you can Google Simon Sinek's Golden Circle or Simon Sinek, Why Leaders Inspire Action. Um, and it is like, I literally watch it every single month. And every time I watch it, I get re-inspired by it. So I would almost give my recommendation as not being a book, but a 15-minute TED Talk that uh, I think will, as ridiculous as it is to say, like change the way you think about things like for the better. So I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, it's an awesome recommendation. It's an awesome video. And I like, I like the tradition of, of watching that. And I like how it has to be before noon. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have, uh, I, t- I take training pretty seriously, uh, maybe too seriously, but, but uh, the Simon Sonic video, it's funny because like existing employees will, will walk by like this little room I generally train in and they'll be like, oh, yeah, lights are off. They're watching uh, the TED Talk. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, that is awesome. So do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos uh, that you live by and, and you'd like to share with us uh, today? Um, yeah, I'd actually say that something I, I, I think about a lot, um, especially as, you know, with entrepreneurship, it is very easy to get kind of caught up in how everybody else is doing and how hard everybody's working and how, um, how fast everybody's growing is that my first couple of years, um, I had zero work-life balance. Um, and that's by no means to say that I have work-life balance now, but, I feel like I I, just, I wouldn't take a day off. I worked through every single weekend. Um, I sacrificed a lot of things that made me happy um, that were kind of previous hobbies and passions. And so now I've kind of like forced myself to – I've always been passionate about travel. Um, I've kind of forced myself to travel, um, kind of take at least a couple big trips a year, even if it's just for a week at a time, um, to, just to get out there and unplug. And I've kind of found that even though when I'm getting on a plane – I'm always telling myself this is the worst possible time. This is a this is a disaster. Like I need to be at the office. I always come back like a better person, both personally and professionally, from it. So I guess my my I guess last advice is that whatever your hobbies are, like know that work is always going to be there. Know that work is always going to be stressful, and that there's always going to be more you could do. But 
truly take time to do some of the things that make you happy and to unwind and to disconnect because not only do you need it personally, but it a lot of times gives you time to think, um, which in turn makes you better professionally. So, uh, you know, it's easy to be a workaholic. I am a workaholic, but, you know, take the time because it is so, so necessary. Absolutely. That's a, that's an amazing point. Man, thanks so much, Travis, for taking the time to chat with us today after, you know, just getting off a flight back from SF. Uh, it was really amazing to have you on the show and have you share that amazing insight with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, and, uh, you know, for, I guess for anybody out there, you know, feel free to tweet. Uh, what's my handle? I think it's what? at TD Truitt. Uh, if you have any questions or thoughts or comments, and then you can also email me at Travis at ambition.com. I'm always, you know, looking to help out in any way I can. That's awesome. Thanks. Yep, absolutely. You guys have a good one. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Hack to Start and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind the scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.